We are continuing in our sermon series on the book of John, and we are still in Jesus' first year of earthly ministry. And John, through the power of the Holy Spirit, he has explained to us that the whole purpose of this book is about believing in Jesus. In fact, John 20, 31 says, these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the anointed one, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. In fact, all of Scripture, all 66 books, they're all pointing toward the Messiah, toward Jesus Christ. They're all talking about Jesus. In John chapter 14, it says it very well. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. And in this particular story, we see that Jesus, along with his disciples, they're going to move northern. They're going to move north and into this region called Samaria. And at, at that time, he's going to find himself at a well where there's a woman going to be there at the same time. This is going to be a conversation, an encounter that took place in the most unlikely location during the most unlikely time with the most unlikely company. For the woman, it was, it was going to be a day just like any other day. She was from a town called Syker. And she was just coming to get water. And very similar to the Jewish apostles, she would understand, at least have a working knowledge of the first five books of the Old Testament. But she worshipped and served and had faith completely different uh, than the apostles. And this particular woman had quite a story. She had five husbands and five divorces. She was living with another man at this point. And since she's coming at high noon, we can assume that she either made the decision to not go with the other women, as tradition had it. The women would go around dusk time together and gather the water and it would be a social event. So she either decided not to go with them or she was being shunned. And that's why she was going at the high point of the day where the heat would be the hottest. This woman had one watering jug with her. We don't know why she didn't have multiple jugs. If you've been to third world countries, you see a lot of these women carrying jugs and usually they have at least two. She only had one. Maybe she just needed it for that particular day. But you know what? She was at this particular well at this particular time for this particular conversation. When you look back one chapter, you see Nicodemus. In John chapter 3, Nicodemus, who had been watching Jesus from afar, Nicodemus uh, was a very smart man. He knew Scripture frontwards and backwards. And Nicodemus watched the miracles happen, and, and, and he looked, and he saw Jesus, and he, and he snuck away from his friends so he could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with Jesus. This woman was completely opposite of that. 
She came at high noon. She didn't know who Jesus was. She had never heard of him. She'd never seen any miracles. And you know what? She didn't care about Jesus. She just wanted to do what she needed to do and get back to her life. Maybe that's you. Maybe you don't know Jesus. Maybe you you really don't know Jesus and you just want me to stop and you want to get on with your life and let this day get over. However, this woman, just like Nicodemus, her meeting, her individual connection with the Savior of the world would change her eternity. It would change her eternity. And I love that Jesus does that. I love that Jesus cares about each of us so much that he's willing to have one-on-one conversations with us. He, he doesn't care what our rank is and what our title is and, and where we're from. He doesn't, he doesn't care what we've done. He wants to love us right in our spot right now. You're here today. You're, you're worshiping together. We're worshiping as, as corporate worship, singing songs and, and hearing the word of God. But Jesus wants to have a one-on-one conversation with you. He wants to talk to you. It's great to commune with the great I am. If you haven't already, would you turn your Bibles to the Gospel of John? We're going to be in the fourth chapter. If you don't have a Bible, we have Bibles in front of you, underneath the chairs, uh, around the row. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we pray a blessing upon this message. We pray that you are honored and you are praised. Let you speak to us now. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. John chapter 4, we'll start with verse 1. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that Jesus was making and baptizing more disciples than John, although Jesus himself did not baptize, but only his disciples, he left Judea and departed again for Galilee. And he had to pass through Samaria. So he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar near the field that Jacob had given his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Our first point for today is that we can rejoice that God is sovereign. God is sovereign. Do you believe that statement? Do you believe that that statement is true, that God is sovereign? He is all-knowing? So many times I come to the conclusion that I, I truly don't believe that at times. You see, I, I find myself manipulating life circumstances to try to meet my perceived needs, whether financially or physically or mentally or relationally. I try to maneuver things around. Can I truly declare, and that's what I was thinking, can I declare what Isaiah said, I will wait for the Lord and I will hope in him? Can I declare that? Can I trust in God's sovereignty? Frankly, can I humble myself before God, demonstrating that I really, really trust in his sovereignty? Friends, Jesus is in charge of all circumstances. And we see that today in this story. 
There, there were so many things that had to happen. Jesus had to leave at the exact right time. Jesus had to, had to walk through the direct path in order to get to that well. He had to send his disciples away to go get food so they weren't all there and the, scare the woman off. He knew the woman was walking there uh, at that exact time and he worked all those details out. He had to go about 20 miles to make that happen because... Jesus is sovereign and Jesus' timing is absolutely perfect. It's perfect. The second thing we need to rejoice about is that the Almighty sent his Son. The Almighty sent his Son. Verse 6 in John 4, Jacob's well was there, so Jesus, wearied as he was from his journey, was sitting beside the well. It was about the sixth hour I love that John includes this stuff. I love that he gives us all of these details uh, to help us to understand Jesus' humanity. You see, Jesus was wearied. He was exhausted. He was tired. And, And this is a huge thing for us to understand. The creator of all things who created in six days was tired after a long, hot day. Jesus had nearly 20 miles in at that point. Best guesses. But yet he was going to take time to focus on someone else. I love that Jesus isn't like me. I love that fact. You see, the author, John, he was giving us an excellent view of Jesus' humanity, which is super important for us to understand Uh, from the gospel story that Jesus was fully God and fully man at the exact same time. Luke chapter 2 tells us that Jesus was born a baby. Uh, John 19, just like here in John 4, it tells us that Jesus was thirsty. Matthew 8 refers to the human emotion of Jesus where he was marveling at all the things. Matthew 4 tells us that Jesus got hungry And John 11, the creator of the world, the omnipotent one, the omniscient one, the king of kings and the Lord of lords, he cried. Simply put, the love of God that he showed us by sending his son Jesus here to live as fully man and fully God at the same time is amazing. Jesus experienced joy pain and sorrow just like you and I have but God loves us so much that he sent him you know what God loved this woman so much that he sent him to be with her that particular day you know God loves you too God loves you and and maybe today is the day that you needed to hear that God loves you Maybe you think no one loves you, but I'm telling you, God loves you. We serve a sovereign God. We we should rejoice that the Almighty sent his son, Jesus. And we can also rejoice that Jesus came to save sinners. He came to save sinners. 1 Timothy 1.15 says that Christ Jesus came into the world to save Sinners. Matthew 9, 13, For I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. 
Matthew, or excuse me, Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. In our study today, we see that this woman is a sinner. We don't know all the details of all the things that were going on. We, we don't get that, and it doesn't matter. That woman is just like you and just like me. Romans 3, 23, we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God. All have sinned. No matter who you are, Jew, Greek, wherever you're from, but just like the woman at the well. You see, the woman at the well, Jesus wanted to be with her. Jesus wanted to talk to her. Jesus wanted to share this great news with her. And Jesus wanted to offer her eternity. That's, that's why we should be rejoicing. Because it doesn't matter what we've done. It doesn't matter what our past is. It matters about right this moment. Jesus is there. He stands at the door and he knocks. If anyone hears his voice and welcomes him in, he will come in. All you have to do is ask. And that's for anyone my lovely wife, Sherry, she's a senior in college right now, getting her degree in social work. A couple semesters ago, she took a class in comparative religion. And in that class, uh, they were talking about the different religions, and, and the professor uh, talked about Christianity. And Christianity is an exclusive, exclusive religion not allowing anyone in. It's, it, it's just so, so close-minded. But all these other religions, they are inclusive and they welcome everybody. And after some chatter and, and, and bias towards one direction rather than the other, Sherry raised her hand, asked some interesting follow-up questions. And, and then the, the guy right next to her gained some courage and, and he said, uh, Sir, I, I agree with you. I understand that Jesus said in, in John 14, what I read earlier, that Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through him. Jesus is, it's the only way. It's exclusive. But you know what? Scripture also teaches us that all can come, that all are welcome in. Matthew eleven twenty eight, Come to me, all who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. All. Are you weary today? Are you heavy laden? Do you have all kinds of stuff on your mind? You have all kinds of things going on. People sick, injured, uh, sad, broke, all these different things. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. That's what this woman was experiencing. She may have had a ton on her mind. She may have had a lot of guilt, but Jesus loved her. He loved her so much. We serve a sovereign God, friends. A God that loves us so much that he came to this world to save us from our sin. And you know what? There is nothing that can separate us from the love that Jesus shows us. Nothing. Verse 7 of chapter 4. A woman from Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. For his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How is it that you, a Jew, ask for a drink from me, a woman of Samaria? 
For Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. You see, when he was asking this woman for a drink, he was literally saying, let me borrow your utensil and take a drink out of that. She knew he was, he was a Jew, maybe from his accent, from his look. And, and there's no Jew that would ever drink from somebody else's stuff, let alone a Samaritan and a woman. You see, his, history, a little history lesson, 722 B.C., the Assyrians, they, they attacked northern Israel, uh, which would have been referred to as the region of Samaria, used to be the capital, kind of spread out. They, they attacked it, they deported all the Israelites, except for a handful of them. They intermarried with them, and then they started referring to them as half-breeds. And no good Jew would ever mingle with the Samaritan. In, in fact, Scripture says that he had to go north, Jesus had to go north into Samaria in order to get to his next location. And most Jews, they would go east, and then they would go north to avoid even coming to this area. But not Jesus. Not Jesus. It, you see, it, this reminds me of, of historical things that we all have heard and, and dealt with. Even on American soil, slavery and segregation. Uh, we think of the Nazis and Hitler. And everything before and after and in between, we have seen how one nation can go against another nation. One religion against another religion. One race against another race. One gender against another gender. That school is better. That school is worse. That, that church is horrible. That church is good. We may even say, you know what, that side of town is good, and this side of town is bad. It's because we feel there's a superior complex about things that have been conquered or how uh, they are uh, controlling that area, and they feel superior. But you know what? The truth remains that no matter where you are from, no matter what your background is, no matter uh, what language you speak, no matter where you are in this world, no matter what your house looks like or how much money you have or don't have, no matter how tall you are or how short you are, no matter how fat you are or how skinny you are, or even if you smell, Jesus Christ loves you. And Jesus Christ is asking you to come on. Invite me in. Just invite me in. I'm here. Romans 8 says it, For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Just because this was a Samaritan, just because this was a woman, it was not going to separate Jesus from having this conversation and offering her eternity. Because tradition has zero power with Jesus. It has none. And you know, friends, you and I, we make too many excuses. You and I who love Jesus Christ, we make too many excuses of why we are not sharing the good news of Jesus Christ. Oh, you know what? Uh, that, 
They're, that's a Mormon. I, I, I can't talk to them. Oh, I, you know, he, my brother's an atheist. I, I, I can't talk to him. He, he doesn't want, they don't want to talk about religion. It's just going to be a bad conversation. It's not going to be good. You know who we talked about Jesus with? With other people that know and love Jesus. They already know Jesus. The fifth thing. The fifth thing we can rejoice over is that salvation is a gift of God. It's a gift. It's a gift. Verse 10 of chapter 4, Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you have nothing to draw water with, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? That, that's very similar to Nicodemus's response. How could, a, how could a person be born again? I mean, return to his mother's womb? What do you mean, destroy this temple and rebuild it in three days? What, what are you talking about? Over and over, we see that people have no understanding of what Jesus is actually saying. Continuing on, Jesus said to her, everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks of the water that I will give him will never be thirsty again. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman responded, sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. I don't know how long this conversation lasted. I, I don't know. But I do know that the key to all this woman's issues, the key to everything that she was seeking, the key to all of her answers and, and, and questions, the key to her, her eternity was sitting right in front of her. All she had to do was ask. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, You will seek me and find me when you search for me with all of your heart. The woman at the well was just like any other person. She's like any other person before they knew Jesus. She was blind to the fact that she didn't know Jesus. She was blind Friends, we don't know what we don't know when we don't know it. Are you following me here? This woman didn't know Jesus before this moment in time. But she did know something. She knew that she was feeling empty, that there was, there was something in her heart that was missing. There was some piece of her life that she, she, she just kept trying to fill from all the wrong places and all the wrong things and, and all the wrong, maybe, men. She was blind to her need of Jesus. Maybe, maybe that's you. Maybe you try to, try to fill your life with all kinds of stuff. Jeff Bezos, I was talking with somebody the other day about Jeff Bezos, and, and, and we were talking about faith. I don't know Jeff Bezos, and I don't know anything about his regular life. I just know he owns Amazon. But Jeff Bezos has a couple dollars. 
And when Jeff Bezos is, is maybe struggling in life with something, maybe he needs to fill that hole with something, Jeff Bezos will just drop a million dollars on something. And that fill, fills that gap, and ah, I feel good. Three or four days later, starts feeling empty again, and you fill it again, buying, doing, flying, whatever it might be. And then I thought about us, and I thought about what we do. That maybe it's drinking something or smoking something or buying something from Jeff Bezos. <laughs> Whatever it might be, we keep trying to fill that hole with other stuff when there is someone who we could fill it with. And it's Jesus. Jesus. The woman, she didn't want to carry this, this jar up and down the hill, back and forth the rest of her life. She wanted rest from that. But that's the amazing part of salvation. The amazing part of salvation is that God will lead the blind to light. Isaiah 42, 16, I will lead the blind by ways they have not known. Along unfamiliar paths, I will guide them. I will turn the darkness into light before them and make the rough places smooth. These are the things I will do. I will not forsake them. We go to Psalms 146.8. The Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The Lord lifts up those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. And Jesus in this conversation is about to give this lady sight. And maybe you're here and you've been blind. And you haven't even known about Jesus. Or maybe you just keep coming over and over and over because it's a great check mark to get on your books. I went to church. I went to church. I went to that. I went to this. I did this. I served this way. You know what? Maybe you're blind and you really don't know the love of Jesus Christ. Today may be your time at the well. Jesus loves you. Friends, we serve a sovereign God, one that has existed for all time, that knows everything. And while you and I were still sinners, the Almighty sent his son, Jesus of Nazareth, to us so that by his perfect life and death and resurrection and ascension, we could have eternal life. We could be forgiven, and we could rejoice over that fact that no matter who we are, Christ loves us. No matter what we've done, Christ loves us. His salvation is available for anyone. And you know, that's the truth that this woman heard this very day. You see, something needs to happen once you hear that truth, once maybe your eyes have, have been opened up, and maybe, they, again, that's you today. So something needs to happen. What's the next steps? What are the next steps? First, we need to humble ourselves before Jesus. Humble yourself. This is the part in chapter 4 where Jesus, she calls the woman out on her sin. And in the 18, we see that she starts admitting her sin. She starts confessing her sin. 1 John 1, 9 says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's judicial forgiveness. Judicial forgiveness. That means that at that moment of time when you give your life to Jesus Christ, when you ask for him to come in, he's been knocking and now you're going to ask him, your eyes have been opened. 
all of your sins that you've ever done. You, you, you murdered somebody. You hated people. You stole stuff. You, you were a prostitute. You, you, you lived this life of filth. It doesn't matter. At that moment in time, you are completely forgiven. Not only at that moment, you're forgiven for all the things you did before, you're also forgiven already of all the things you're going to do. That's judicial forgiveness. But, but this woman, when she, when she was confessing, everything was forgiven. Jesus reminded us that on the cross. He said, it is finished. But it's not finished for us to have relational forgiveness. You see, he told this woman, uh, who, and he later talked to the people at, at Syker, that, you know what, we need to um, keep having times where we confess to Jesus, where we come to him to build our relationship back and forth. As you might know, my wife and I, we have 10 children. We, we have three biological daughters, four foster daughters, and we have three sons that we've adopted. Jacob, Reggie, and Jose. And you know what? These three sons will always be my sons, and I've got birth certificates that prove it. Sherry's and my names are on each of those birth certificates. But you know what? If one of those boys starts disregarding me, starts disobeying starts doing whatever he wants to do, it is his job at that point to come to me and seek forgiveness. And I will be like the prodigal's father, and I will run out to him, and I will embrace him and love him. That's what our Lord wants us to do on a continuous basis. He wants us to come to him and, and lay our sins uh, at his feet and say, I am so sorry. And every single time, I love you. I love you because he knows our hearts. He knows exactly why we're coming before him, why we're humbling ourselves. You know, King David, he realized this. King David said, uh, when I kept silent, my body was wasting away. My bones were literally becoming nothing. He knew he had to keep coming to God and keep confessing to sin, not for salvation, but for relationship with Jesus. After we've come to know Jesus through confession, we need to humble ourselves before him on an ongoing basis. And, and, and friends, we need to freely share our story. Share our story with everybody. You see, after some discussion with this woman and, and, and realizing that he is the great I am, the woman leaves her jar and she takes off. We see in verse 28, so the, so the woman left her water jar, we can go a whole tangent on that, left her water jar and went into town and said to the people, come, come see a man who told me all that I ever did. Can this be the Christ? Can this be the Messiah? They went out of town and, and they were coming to him. Verse 39 Many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. 
Matthew 28, 19 says it clearly to us. Go and make disciples of all nations. Of all nations. We don't have to throw out some theological stuff to people. Just, just share with people our story. Hey, this is how I was lost. This is what was going on in my life. And you know what? I found Jesus, and he went to the cross, and he forgave me my sins, and this is my life now. It's hard. It's hard. But this is my story. Share it with everybody. And that leads us to our last part. We need to heed the words of God. We need to heed the words of God. 1 Peter 2.2 says, Like newborn babies crave pure spiritual milk so that by it you may grow up in your salvation. In verse 40 of, uh, of this chapter, we see that Jesus stayed with the Samaritans for two days. Man, those two days had to be fantastic. And as they heard Jesus at the end of his stay over those 48 hours... The people proclaimed in the following verse, in verse 42, they said this. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe. For we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. 2 Timothy 3.16 reminds us that all Scripture is breathed out by God. All Scripture is profitable. Jesus said in Matthew 4, 4, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. We should crave God's word. We should, we should desire to continue to grow in our salvation as we uh, seek to be men and women who are serving the king of kings. We shouldn't keep this treasure to ourselves, friends. It's a treasure. It's a treasure. Share it. Because you have an abundance. That's why we read the word, friends. That's why we study the word. That's why we trust the word. The woman at the well was changed this very day. Her life was affected because she heeded the words of Jesus. Maybe you have known Jesus for 40 years. Are you heeding his word on an ongoing basis? Are you listening to his word and studying it and reading it because you want to be a warrior for him, an ambassador to carry his message across? Are you focusing in on yourself or others? No. Your focus should be on the Savior of the world, on the Savior. Here's a question. Are you thirsty? I am. I, mean, I literally, legitimately am. Mm. That's good. Ice cold. I've kind of become a snob with the type of water I put in, in here. And this water stays cold for quite a while. But eventually warms up. I've I've forgot to drink it and drink a, another bottle of water somewhere else and come back to it. And, ew. But you know, once this is empty, which is getting close, 
I have to refill it. And then sometimes, because I'm a water snob, that type of water isn't in my fridge waiting for me. So I got to fill it from the tap water. We do that, guys. We seek satisfaction in all kinds of things in our life. And we keep seeking it over and over and over. We keep going to the internet for that same exact thing. We keep calling up that one friend to meet us at that same location. We keep going to that same website to order that same type of stuff. We keep doing those things over and over and over because we're trying to satisfy this thirst. But we understand from Scripture that we know someone who could give us something where we'll never thirst, that we'll never hunger again. If you have Jesus in your life, if you know Jesus as your Savior, He fulfills everything you need. Not your spouse. Not your kids. Not sports. Not money. No matter what your situation is, it's Jesus is the one who you should be focused on because He will help you quench that thirst. 